0: Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast, a podcast recorded at LifeGate Church in Burleson, Texas. We hope you enjoy the talk and be sure to stick around for more at the end. We are continuing this series that we've been doing the last few weeks called What on Earth Am I Here For? And we are looking at this most important question, an age old question that people have been asking since the very beginning of time What is the meaning of life? Everybody, look at your neighbor and just ask him, What is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? What is this life all about? And people have been asking this age-old question for centuries, but we have discovered some things in this series. And we have discovered, first of all, that if we want to know the meaning of life, we've got to start by looking to the maker of life. It all starts with God. So everybody say, it all starts with God. In fact, that's what the scripture tells us in Colossians 1 and verse 16. It says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before it all came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment. It all starts with him. If we want to know the purpose of life, we don't ask that. Question What is my purpose? What do I want to do? What am I supposed to do with my life? But instead, we ask, What is God's purpose for life? What does God want to do in me? It's all about Him, it's not about us, and it all starts with Him. We discovered in Ephesians 1 and verse 11, it says, For it is in Christ. Everybody say, In Christ. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. For long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eyes on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of His overall purpose that He is working out in everything and everyone. God has a purpose for your life. And the way you discover God's purpose for your life is by getting to know God. And that's what we're doing in this series. In fact, that's the whole purpose of this series. That is my prayer for this series, that you would get to know God. The more you know God, the more you have relationship with God, the more your eyes will be open and your heart will understand and your mind will know what it is that God has created you to do, what on earth you are here for. Because that's what we're accomplishing in this series, we've made a few commitments. We have committed ourselves to getting to know God more deeply, and we've committed ourselves that over the six weeks of this series, we've made a commitment that we're going to be in the house of God. At least five of the six weeks of this series, we've committed that we're going to get involved in a life group, and we're going to begin to do life together, and we're going to begin to get to know God together. We've committed together that we're going to read this book, What on Earth Am I Here For? the purpose-driven life. We're going to read it every single day today. In fact, we are on day 14 as we are getting to know God. And here's what we're finding out. Here's what we're discovering as we get to know God more deeply. We are discovering that God has not left us in the dark as to what is our purpose here on this life. What does he want us to do? In fact, we have discovered that there are actually five universal purposes. Everybody say five purposes. There are actually five universal purposes, five things that God has created every single one of us to do here on this planet. Last week, we began by looking at the first purpose of our life, and that was to know God, to love God, and to be loved by Him, and that purpose is called worship. Everybody say worship. Now, this morning, we're going to look at our second purpose in life. How many want to know what your second purpose in life is today? All right, are you ready? It's in your notes today. I want you to say it aloud with me. I was created to love others. Come on, that was weak. Say it again. I was created to love others others. You see, not only did God create me to love and to be loved by him, that's worship, but he also created me to have a loving relationship with people around me. He has created me for relationships. In fact, we discovered this last week. You remember the story of the guy who came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? What is this life all about? Really, he was kind of saying, what does God want me to do? What is the purpose of life? Why are are we here on this planet and Jesus answered him with this in Mark 12 in verse 30 he says here's the purpose of your life here's why you were created here's what God wants you to do to love God right with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and then look what he says in the next verse and the second is this love your neighbor everybody say love your neighbor Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, you were created to have relationship with God and to have relationship with other people. You were created to be loved by God and to love God. That is worship. And you were created to love other people, to have relationships with other people. Now, there's a Bible word for this, and that word is fellowship. So everybody say fellowship. Fellowship. Now think about this for a second. Depending on your upbringing, depending on you know your background, what do you think of when you think of the word fellowship? I'll just tell you what I think of when I think of the word fellowship. I think of the, I think of food. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? I don't know what it is about Christians, but I'm telling you, when you we like to eat and we like to get together and eat. You know what I'm talking about? Others of you maybe when you hear the word fellowship, maybe you think of a room in the church, like you know what I'm talking about the fellowship hall. How many know what I'm saying? And that room. Is where we get together to eat, right? How I many know it's just all about food, really? It's really all about food, right? And fellowship, and maybe some of you, when you hear the word fellowship, maybe you didn't grow up in church, so you just think of, you know, you think of getting together, you think of hanging out, you think of doing stuff with friends. Maybe some of you Lord of the Rings nerds out there today, you think of the fellowship of the ring. How I many know I'm talking about, right? Fellowship, and it's kind of a misunderstood word, and that's kind of part of it. Eating, getting together, fellowship hall, all that kind of stuff is part of it, but it's so much deeper than that. There is so much more to it than that. Fellowship is really actually kind of what happened in the Lord of the Rings. These people come together for a purpose. These people that didn't even really know each other come together, and by the end of the whole deal, these people that were complete strangers actually come together, and they are like family, And that's what fellowship is all about. Fellowship is about being a part of a family. In fact, that's what the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse 19. It says, you are members of God's very own family. You are citizens of God's country and you belong. Everybody say belong. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Here's the deal. Here's your purpose in life. The purpose of your life is to be a part of a family. The purpose of your life is to not just love God, not just have relationship with God, not just worship God, but to love other people, to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. Your purpose in life is to fellowship, to love others, to be a part of a family, now, you know, the truth is is that all of our society and all of our culture is pulling us against this very purpose that God has created us for in fact i mean i think about it here in america one of our highest values in america actually goes completely opposed to this purpose that god has created us for i mean you think about it in america what is one of the strongest values one of the things that we represent and stand for in america and that is the individual like be independent like you don't want to be dependent on anyone. You want to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you want to make yourself a self-made man. You are an individual and you are independent. And we even see that in the American church, even in some of our, in some of our language and some of the things that we say. I mean, we say things like this, like you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. How many ever heard that before, right? And that, that's true, but it's really only partly true. It's really, it's really just a fraction of what it's really all about. That though you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus, it's not just about a personal and private relationship with Jesus. It's about having a shared relationship with Jesus. It's not just about me and Jesus. See, a lot of people are like this, well, it's just me and Jesus and I don't need church and I don't need those people and I got my... My Bible and it's just me and God. But you're only seeing a part of what it is that God created you for. He created you for family. He created you to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. And all of our society is pulling us against this purpose that God has created us for. All of culture begins to pull us towards isolation. In fact, if you're taking notes, I just want to hit a couple of reasons. I think that we become more and more and more isolated in the culture that we live in today. The first one is this, is that there's a great increase in mobility. How many of you know that in previous generations, you know, uh, you might live in the same community for your whole life? In fact, some people would even live in the same house for their whole life, but more and more and more in society, especially in America, in our culture today, we are becoming more and more mobile. In fact, statistics tell us that the average American moves every five years. And for those of you that are between the ages of 20 and 40, actually move on an average of every three years. You know, when I was a kid, my parents moved around a lot, but I always found them. Come on, help me out on that. But here's the deal, I mean, so many, so many people moving, I've seen it, we've lived here now eight years, eight years ago we started this church, and there are, there are folks that have been in this church since the beginning of the church and have moved three or four or five times, we've had some that have moved away and moved back two or three times just in eight years, and we move around all over the place, and, and here's the deal, it's, it's kind of difficult to have real, long-lasting friendships and relationships if we're just moving around all over the place every two or three years how many know what I'm saying. And then there's another one, write this down, is modern conveniences. Here's the thing, is that all these modern conveniences, I'm not preaching against this stuff, but just all the modern conveniences and the things that we have tend to pull us more and more and more and more towards an isolated life, more and more towards isolation. I heard one guy who said, you know, it all started way back with the invention of the air conditioner. You say, well, how does that really connect? Well, I mean, think about it for a second. Before we had air conditioners, what did you do? You went outside, right? Because it was hot inside. And so in the evenings, you'd go outside and you'd sit on the porch. And which porch did you sit on? sit on the front porch I mean it makes me think of like you know Andy sitting out with Opie on the front porch right and they're whittling and whistling and just I mean you know what I'm saying and what happens when you're sitting out on the front porch well your neighbors are sitting out on the front porch too because it's hot inside and what happens when you're sitting out on the front porch and neighbors are sitting out on the front porch well after a while you got to kind of start talking to one another right and you begin to mingle and you begin to build relationships especially when you lived in the same house all your life and you begin to get into community and fellowship with one another. But when the air conditioner was invented, what did we do? We all went inside. And if we go out on the porch, which porch do we go to? Now we go to the back porch where there's a privacy fence so that we don't have to talk to nobody, right? Right? And then it moves on to things like, you know, like the attached garage. How many remember the days whenever the garage, you'd have a garage, but it wasn't attached to the house? You remember, you've seen probably some of these older houses like that. And what would happen is, you know, you drive into the garage, but you had to go out of the garage and you had to walk outside to go into the house, right? And what happens when you walk from the garage to the house? Well, your neighbor's walking from their garage to their house or your neighbor's out on the front porch, right? Right? And you begin to get to know your neighbors. But now we've invented these things called the attached garage where you can actually pull your car into the garage. And you don't have to walk from the garage to the house. You just walk straight from the car into the house and don't have to see anybody. And then we created these things, made it even better. We created these things called the garage door opener. Now, you don't even have to get out of the car. You just push a button, the garage door opens, you drive your car into the garage, you get out of the car, you walk to the house, you push another button, the garage door goes down, and you don't have to see or talk to nobody. And then we invented these things called answering machines. Where it used to be like when the phone rang, you just had to, you had to pick, if you want to know who it was that was calling, you had to answer the phone, right? But then we had these things called answering machines, and you could screen your calls, and then it even got better. We invented these things called caller ID, right? It's like, I don't know, do I want to answer that one or not? I think I'll let that go to voicemail. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And on and on and on and on it goes, and now we've got, you know, we've got iPads, and we've got, you know, we've got Xboxes, and when I was a kid, we used to go, outside and play with the neighbor kids but now the kids sit around and play their games on their iPods and on their their iPads and on their Xbox and all of these things that have driven us further and further and further away from one another and more and more and more into isolation further and further away from the purpose that God created us for on this planet. In fact statistics tell us from the American Sociology Review that the average American has only about two close friends. And 25% of Americans say they have zero close friends. Our society has pushed us and pushed us and pushed us away from what God has created us to do. Here's another one. Write this one down. The rise in social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, now let me start by saying this, I'm not against Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. In fact, I'm on all three, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. In fact, our church uses Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Some of you, the whole reason that you're here today is because you heard about our church on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. I'm not preaching against that. This is not one of those sermons on Twitter's of the devil or anything like that. But I will have to say that, that because, of, because of social media... We, we have actually redefined the way that we look at relationships. In fact, because of social media, so many times we spend so much of our time, instead of focusing on face-to-face interaction, instead we spend so much of our time managing our online image what other people think about us, and we don't have real sometimes relationships with people. Instead, we have online relationships with people, and there's a lack of intimacy, and there's a lack many times of accountability, and sometimes you can even have a thousand Facebook friends and still deep down inside feel lonely. And there's nothing wrong with Facebook, and there's nothing wrong with Instagram, and all of those kinds of things as they con- as they partner together with real face-to-face relationships. That's what God created us for. He created us for relationships. He created us for fellowship. He created us to love one another. In fact, we see this in this passage. I love this passage of Scripture, preached from it many times in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. In verse number 8, I want you to check out this guy. In verse number 8, it says, There was a man who was all alone. Everybody say, all alone. He had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless a miserable business here's this guy and he's working hard and he's got lots of things he's been successful he's worked really hard in life but he looks at his life and he says who am i doing this for i have nobody to share all of this with he looks at his life and he says this seems to be meaningless There's no purpose behind my life. There's no reason for what I'm doing. I'm feeling miserable because I'm all alone. Look what he says. Here's the solution in verse 9. For two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I want to look at this passage for just a second. I want to just break it down. And I just want to see three things about the purpose and the reason that God has created us, the reason that he, pla- that he places us on this planet. I want us to see three things if you're taking notes. The first one is this. You need help. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, man, you need help. You need some help. Here's the deal. You were not created to do life alone. Some of you are here today, and you're just like you're just like this man in this passage. You're all alone. He has neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. And some of you, that's exactly the way that you are right now. You're working hard, and you're giving all you've got. And maybe you've even had some success in your life, but you just feel kind of like, what's the purpose of this? It's kind of meaningless. Maybe you're here today, and you're so busy, and you're running around, and you're doing all of this stuff, but you just don't seem to find any meaning in life. You don't seem to find any any real satisfaction or fulfillment in your life, and it's because you're doing life all by yourself. God never intended for you to be isolated, He never intended for you to be independent, He intended for you to be dependent on Him and dependent on other people. That's the way He created us from the very beginning. I mean if you think about it from the very beginning the book of Genesis we know the creation story don't we like I mean God created the heavens and the earth and if you read it what is it what does it say he created the heavens and the earth and then he said what it is good, right? And then the Bible says that He created the land and the sea, and He says it is good. And the Bible says He created He created the creatures of the earth, and He said, "Oh, it is good." And the Bible says He created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, and He said it is good. And then the Bible says that God created man, and it says He says it is very good. But then as we read on a little bit, we we see a shift in what he says. He says, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is very good. And then suddenly in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, he says, it's not good. What was not good? Well, look what it says. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Think about this for a second. Here's, Here's Adam in the garden, perfect place to live perfect circumstances sin had not entered into the world yet he had perfect relationship with God in fact the scripture says that in the cool of the day that God himself would come down and walk with Adam he was in perfect relationship with God and yet he was still missing something guess what? You can live your life going, it's all about me and God, and that's all it's about, and it's just me and God, and I don't need church, and I don't need a life group, and I don't need anybody else. I got my Bible, and I got God, and it's all about me and him, and everything's good, but here's Adam in perfect relationship with God. No sin had even entered the earth yet, and yet God says, something's not right. Something's missing. What's not right? It's not good for man to be alone. So God says, "Here's the solution." He says, "I will create a helpmate for him." Now, I know when we read when we read this this verse here, "I will create a helpmate a helpmate you know, you think of a wedding, right? Because that's where you hear those words. We always—I did a wedding last a couple weekends ago, and that's where you say, "This guy will create a helpmate for him." And so God looks down and he sees—you know—he sees that man is alone, and so he puts Adam to sleep, and he takes a rib, and from the rib he creates woman, and she comes alive, and then Adam comes, uh, comes and wakes up, and he looks at her and he goes, "Whoa, man!" Yeah. That's how she got the name woman. And we think that this passage really is just about that. It's just about marriage. And it is about marriage, but there's more to it than that. There's, there's an overarching theme here. That it's not just about husband and wife. It's about relationship. That God created us not to just have relationship with him, but to have relationship with other Christians, to have relationship with with each other, that it's not good for us to be alone. In fact, the very image of God is a perfect image of fellowship. In fact, look what it says in Genesis, in Genesis 1 and verse 26. God says, Let us create man in our image. Look at this. I always thought this was weird. Why does he say us and our? Why does he say let us create man in our image? Why doesn't he say let me create man in my image? Why doesn't he say that? Because God himself is the very picture of relationship. He's the very picture of fellowship. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just God. It was us. It wasn't just me. It was us and we. Let us create er, create man in our image. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit Three completely different and distinct, distinct entities that are together in perfect fellowship and a harmony and relationship with one another. And God says we are created in that very same image. That it's not just about me in God. It's about relationships with one another. That people coming together, all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different takes, tastes and likes, all kinds of different personalities and looks but we come together in fellowship and harmony with one another that's what god created us for and you are never more like god than when you are in relationship and fellowship with other people you need other people you need help everybody say i need help number two check this out you need to help others that's the purpose of your life. Do you know that? The purpose of your life is not just to help yourself. The purpose of your life is to be in relationship with others, to help others, to serve, to love others. In fact, look at this. Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 8. There was a man, he was all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, A miserable business. Check this out. This guy was miserable. He was all by himself. Now, he wasn't miserable because he didn't have stuff. He had stuff. He wasn't miserable because he didn't have a job to do. He wasn't miserable because he wasn't successful. No, he was miserable because he had stuff. He had a job to do. He was successful, but he had no one to share it with. It was all about him. It was all about his work and what he could do. And in the end, he looked back at his life and he said, this is miserable. This is meaningless. This is purposeless. And let me tell you something. The most miserable life that you can live is a self-centered life. Focus on yourself. Focus on what you can get. Focus on how you can build your own self and you can be successful in all the stuff that you can have in life. That's the most miserable kind of life that you can live. But true fulfillment and true purpose and true meaning in life comes when we stop focusing on ourselves and we begin focusing on others. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse 11. It says, it is God himself who has made us what we are, and given us new life in Christ Jesus, and long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives helping others. That's the purpose of your life. Did you know that? The purpose of your life is to help others. The purpose of your life is to have relationships with others, to spend your life serving and caring for and helping others in your circle of influence. You know, I got an email this past week from uh, Leanna, a lady in the church, and and she writes, she says, hey, Pastor Chad, I wanted to share something dear to my heart that made me one extremely proud mama. She says, two weeks ago at service, you discussed the What on Earth am I here for series starting up. And at the end of service, you invited everyone to come up and get a bracelet and a book and, that were bundled into, well, Ethan, my 16-year-old, asked if he could get a book. And I said, of course, Being his mom, I thought, well, we'll read this together since his dad works the second shift. But boy, was I wrong. God had much larger plans in my son's heart. Ethan wanted to give one of the books to his friend, a friend named Stephen. You see, he befriended Stephen last year, and they became fast friends. Stephen is in a wheelchair. And Ethan saw him sitting, eating alone, and went to him and sat with him. Ethan, on several occasions, will wheel Stephen to class to give him a break uh, so his arms can rest. Needless to say, God definitely showed me in this small moment what a great plan he has in store for both Ethan and his friend Stephen. Then later this week, she sent me another email, and she said, I wanted to tell you what happened when when Ethan gave the book to Stephen. She said, at dinner Friday night, I asked Ethan how it went when he gave Stephen the book, and Ethan said that Stephen said... That he asks God all the time, why is he here? That's what life's all about. 16-year-old boy. 16-year-old boy who sees another little boy that's wheeling himself around in a wheelchair. And he says, wait a second, life's not just about me. Life Life is about other people. You see, you need help. And you need to help others. And when you begin to help others, guess what happens? You begin to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment in your life. So you need help. Everybody say, I need help. You need to help others. Everybody say, I need to help others. Number three, check this out. We need to help each other. So here's the deal. We're better together. We can accomplish more. Together. On our own, we are limited, but together there is nothing we can't do. Look at this verse number nine. For two are better. Everybody say better. Come on, that was weak. Say better. Better. Two are better than one because why? Because they have a good return for. Their labor. Guess what? Two can actually accomplish more. Have you ever tried to do something all by yourself and you just can't get it done? And then when you bring somebody else along to help, it's like you don't just get twice as much done. It's like it multiplies how much you get done. That's what happens when you join together. There's a synergy. There's an energy. There's a unity. And where there's unity, there's power and there's strength. And you don't just add. You don't just add to your efforts. You actually multiply what you can do. In fact, I've told you this story before, but it just fits so well here about the about the championship race or championship pulling horses at the state fair. There was an event where they would hitch these hitch these horses up to these plows, and they would see how much that they could that they could pull. And so, the horse that had that that got first place actually pulled nine thousand pounds, pretty strong, pretty cool. The second horse actually pulled eight thousand pounds, and so they decided, what if we hitch these two horses up together? Let's see how much they can pull. And you would think that they would be able to pull 17,000 pounds. That would be twice as much as they pulled on their own. And so they hooked the two horses together, and the two horses began to pull. But instead of pulling 17,000 pounds, doubling their individual efforts, instead, together they pulled 35,000 pounds. That's the power of working together. Two are better than... One, You know, I mentioned it earlier, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings. Really one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite trilogy movies. Of all times. And I love the story. And there's so many great things, so many great principles in the story. But my, my favorite character in the story is not Gandalf and it's not it's not Frodo. My favorite character in the story is a guy named Sam Wise. How many remember Sam Wise in the story, right? And Sam was not Sam was not the best-looking one, he wasn't the smartest one, he wasn't the most charismatic one, he wasn't the strongest one, he was just a little hobbit. But what was so incredible about Sam was Sam's loyalty to his friend Frodo. You remember, right? I mean, from the very beginning they get together and Sam says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to be with you. And you see it over and over. Even when Frodo is struggling, even when Frodo says, hey, I don't even need you, don't want you anymore, Sam is right there with him, right by his side through all three, you know, 10 hours of the movie. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, they're just there and they're going through all this stuff and man, they're just fighting and they're trying to get there. And at the end of the movie one of my favorite scenes in the whole trilogy comes at the very end of the return of the king the third movie in the trilogy and there they are and they're almost there to the fires of mount dune how I many you know what i'm saying right and they're almost there and you they can see it and all he's got to do is he's got to get the the ring the precious right and he's got to get the ring and he's got to throw the ring into the fire and when he throws the ring into the fire then the world will be saved and for this whole 10 hours of this movie, Frodo has been carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders and he's gone through hell and back and Sam has been there with him and there they get and they're just, you can see it, they're just steps away from Mount Dune about to accomplish the task, about to be able to save the world and the pressure and the and just the exhaustion is on Frodo and Frodo falls to the ground and he can't can't take one more step. And that's when the power of fellowship kicks in. Check it out. Best movie scene ever. Come on. (laughs) I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. And I watched that and I can't help but think of the remainder of this passage in verse 12. If either falls down, no one can help him up. And pity the man who falls and has no one else to help him up. But if two lie down together, they will keep warm. And how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's what it's all about. That's what life is all about. It's about relationship with God and relationship with one another. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, you can have the greatest relationship with God in the world, but if that relationship is not being lived out in relationships with each other, you're missing the point. Adam had a perfect relationship with God, and yet something was still missing. It's not good for man to be alone. God didn't create you for individualism. He didn't create you for independence He didn't create you for isolation. Why would you want independence when you could have true interdependence with God and with each other? You were formed for God's family. I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes all over this room this morning. Maybe you're here today and maybe you would say, I've been trying to do life alone. I've been trying to make it on my own. Maybe you'd say, I have never entered into God's family. Here's here's the thing today is that God loves you so much. And all He wanted was for you to be a part of His family. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross to make a way so that you could be adopted into His family. Maybe you've run away. Maybe Maybe you're like the story of the lost son who turned his back on the father and he ran he lived his life and did his own thing. But every single day the father would stand at the end of the road and he would look and he would wait. He would long for his son to come home. And on that day when the lost son finally realized, even, my, even in my father's house the servants have more than I have. And maybe, if I just, maybe even if I just went home I could be a servant in my father's house. And so he began to go home. The Bible says the father was waiting on his son, looking for him, longing for his returning. As he saw his son in the distance, the Bible says that he lifted his robe and he began to run towards his son. And he didn't just say, come back in and be a servant. He didn't just say, come back in and you can serve in my house. No, he said, this is my son, my lost son who has come home. He said, take the, take the family ring and place it upon his finger take the family robe and put it upon his back go and kill the the calf that has been prepared and let's throw a party for my son who was lost has now come home he is a part of my family and maybe you're here today and maybe you've gone out on your own and you've tried to do your own thing and you've lived a life of independence and you've lived a life of individualism and you've lived a life of isolation but God is calling you and he is saying come back into my family I receive you I I'm waiting for you. I'm longing for you to be in my family. I'm longing to have a relationship with you. I'm longing to place you in the place where there will be people who will care for you and love you as you enter into the family of God. And maybe you're here today and maybe you say, I know I'm not right with God. I know I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with him. I've gone out on my own, but today I want to return to the family. I want to return to a God who loves me today. Today, I, all you got to do today is repent of your sin. That means return from where you you were and turn towards God and as you turn towards God he is running towards you today you would say pastor I know I'm not where I need to be my relationship with God is not right today but today I want to be in 100% right relationship with God if that's you all over this room would you lift your hand today I want to pray with you today Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the LifeGate podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. As always, if you're new to LifeGate or haven't heard of us before, please be sure to visit our website at LifeGateBurleson.com for our address, service times, and upcoming events. Again, that's LifeGateBurleson.com. Thanks again, take care, and we look forward to visiting with you next week.